Hello, and welcome back to another episode and the final episode of season one of Let's Celebrate, a holiday origins podcast. I'm your host, Rusty Brown, and today we're celebrating the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. This is the podcast for each episode I research a specific holiday and discuss the history behind it how the people before us celebrated it, how it evolved into what we celebrate now, and then I look at how we can incorporate traditional ways of celebrating back into the holiday to reconnect to why we're celebrating in the first place. Each episode also includes a celebration that's a themed cocktail that goes along with holiday so that you can make it home to celebrate along with me. And I also include a mocktail option for those who don't want to drink alcohol. The celebration for this episode is a buttered rum celebration. To make this celebration, you need two tablespoons of maple syrup, one tablespoon of butter, one splash of vanilla extract, one dash of ground cinnamon, one dash of ground nutmeg, and one to two ounces of dark rum. That's traditional, but I really enjoy this with Rum Haven's coconut rum as well, if you can get your hands on that. I couldn't, so I have dark rum in mine. And then you're going to put four to six ounces of water. The amount of rum to water ratio is really how strong you want. You're going to mix the butter, vanilla, and spices together in your glass until everything's incorporated. And then you're going to pour the hot water in the glass and stir until your butter's melted. Then you'll add the rum, stir, and then you can garnish with a cinnamon stick if you so prefer and enjoy. If you want to make this into a mocktail celebration, just omit the rum. This is just as delicious without the rum. You could also add two more ounces of water or to make it even more decadent, add some cream to it. You can also top with whipped cream to make it even richer. And then of course, garnish with a cinnamon stick. So last month's episode, I celebrated Thanksgiving and discussed ways that we can rewrite and reconnect to that holiday. If you listened to that episode and possibly incorporated some new to you traditions into your celebrations, I'd love to hear about how you celebrated. Did you help to feed others or perhaps share your food with people from other cultures? Or did you incorporate a Thanksgiving or gratitude ritual into your celebration? Did you create an altar to mourn the Native Americans, or did you maybe give to a charity um, that supports Native American organizations? Or did you just eat a ton of turkey and pass out on your grandma's couch? Whatever you did, I'd love to hear about it. And you can email me at letcelebratepodcast at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram page, and that is also at letcelebratepodcast. And if you want to watch the episodes on YouTube, I also have a YouTube channel, and that is youtube.com slash at Let's Celebrate Podcast. 
So this Thanksgiving was a little bit different for me because I um, was here in Guatemala. I wasn't in the U.S. to celebrate a traditional Thanksgiving. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I got married. And um, so my dad came into town for the wedding. So I had a little bit of family, but instead of having a traditional Thanksgiving dinner and celebration, we ended up, well, we had our guests who are people from Guatemala. So we broke bread with people from another culture while celebrating love and being grateful for what we have and looking forward to the future. So in a way, it was sort of a traditional Thanksgiving. This month, we are going to celebrate the biggest, most popular holiday in America. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And we're going to look at the history of how it became a holiday, and then I'm going to discuss the spirit of Christmas and why people believe there's magic during this time of the year. Is it just Hollywood hoopla, or is there something else behind this idea of magic? So let's start with some Christmas history. Christmas is the Christian celebration of Jesus Christ's birthday, also referred to as the nativity in the gospels in the Bible. The word Christmas is a combo of Christ and mass. So Chris, Christmas. And most people probably know, but the story of Jesus' birthday is that his mother, Mary, was visited by an angel who told her that she would give birth to the son of God. And when she told her fiancé, Joseph, he wanted to cancel their engagement because she was supposed to be a virgin. But he was also visited by an angel who told him to not fear. And so they ended up getting married, and then they had to go to Bethlehem, which is located in modern-day West Bank and Gaza within the occupied Palestinian territory. They were in Bethlehem for a mandatory census, which brought an influx to people to the city and left them without a place to sleep. An innkeeper took pity on them and let them sleep in his stable, where Mary ended up giving birth to Jesus, and angels visited them in the manger where he laid, and a bright star began shining in the night sky, which led three wise men to visit him as well. And this Christmas star has now come to represent hope. The actual date of Jesus' birthday isn't recorded in the Bible. Also, historians don't quite agree on how the church settled on December 25th as the date of Jesus' birthday. So three theories of how they settled on that date are that first, that St. Hippolytus claimed December 25th for Christianity around 205 AD. Um, first in his commentary on the book of Daniel, where he stated that the birth date of Jesus was December 25th. The second theory is that Pope Julius I chose December 25th in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. And then the third is that the date was chosen because it's nine months after the Annunciation, which celebrates Christ's conception in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And 
That is on March 25th, which also coincides with the spring equinox. So it's kind of interesting that, um, yeah, that the Annunciation coincides with the spring equinox and then his birth um, coincides with the winter solstice. The first recorded Christmas celebrations that was celebrated on December 25th was in 336 AD. And as I said, December 25th also corresponds with the ancient Roman winter solstice festival of Saturnalia and the birthday of the sun god Sol Invictus. Many winter festivals have existed worldwide since ancient times, and many of those festival traditions have now become linked with Christmas traditions. The Germans in the Norse and Scandinavia had to winter solstice festival from December 21st through January, and this festival was called Yule. It featured banquets and celebrations that included setting a large log on fire and feasting until the log burned out, which could take up to 12 days. The solstice is the darkest day of the year, and many pagan cultures lit bonfires and candles to keep the darkness at bay during this time of year. It's also believed that lighting fires keep evil spirits away. The Celtic Druids also held a solstice festival that lasted two days. They lit candles and decorated their homes with holly and mistletoe. The winter solstice was very important to the people who built and used Stonehenge. The tallest stone in Stonehenge lines up with the sunrise on the winter solstice. Archaeologists have also discovered that the Neolithic or New Stone Age people held great feasts at this time of the year. In Germany, they honored the pagan god Odin, who they believed flew through the night sky to observe his people and then decided who would prosper or perish. Because of this belief, many people chose to stay inside during the midwinter festivals. The Vikings also had beliefs and celebrations for Odin, who is believed to be the great god and father of all gods. They also believed that he would ride his eight-legged horse, Slipner, across the night sky to visit them in their homes, where the children would leave out their shoes by the hearth filled with sugar and hay for Slipner, which probably is where some of the inspiration for Santa Claus came from. In Rome, for Saturnalia, it was a holiday to honor Saturn, the god of agriculture and the chief Roman god. Saturnalia festivals began the week leading up to the winter solstice and continued for the entire month. It was celebrated as a hedonistic time where people indulged in food and drink. Also for the month, the enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Slaves were served meals by their masters and everyone wore a peleus, the canonical cap of liberty that was presented to slaves when they were freed. Slaves were even allowed to criticize their masters while they were free during this time. Businesses and schools also closed during the month so that everyone could participate in the holiday festivals. Gambling with dice, which was usually forbidden, was allowed and instead of white togas, or dresses, everyone wore bright party clothes. People also exchanged small gifts, especially sigillaria, which were little figures made of wax or pottery, 
or they gave satirical presents as a joke, and some people chose to give songs or poems as a gift. Two other festivals were celebrated in Rome around the winter solstice as well. One was called Juvenalia, which was a feast that honored the Roman children. And on December 25th, many members of Rome's upper class celebrated the birthday of the god of the unconquerable soul, or soul Invictus, um, called Mithra. And Mithra was, in fact, a god that was believed to be born of a rock, and for many Romans, this was the most sacred day of the year. Christmas was initially called the Feast of the Nativity, and by 432 AD, the custom had spread to Egypt and to England by the end of the 6th century. It's believed, as I said, that church leaders held Christmas at the same time as traditional winter solstice festivals to increase the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced. By the Middle Ages, Christianity had, for the most part, replaced pagan religions. Also in the Middle Ages, Christmas was celebrated with a carnival-like atmosphere, comparable to how many celebrate Mardi Gras today. Many believers attended church services, but it was also celebrated with drunken revelry. There was a custom to crown a beggar or student as the Lord of Misrule, where people would eagerly play the part of his subjects and follow his word like law. He would order his subjects to play rough games for him, and one game was called Hot Cockles, where he would have participants blindfolded and they would have to guess who had slapped them from behind. If they guessed correctly, the person that slapped them would become the next victim. There is another custom that seems a bit like trick-or-treating. The poor would go to rich people's homes to demand their best food and drinks, and if they didn't comply, the visitors would usually terrorize them with mischief. This is also when Christmas became a time when the upper class would repay their debts to society by entertaining the less fortunate. The first time the name Christmas was recorded was in England in 1038. And at this time, the medieval people were celebrating 12 days of Christmas festivities, ending on January 6th, known as Twelfth Night, when they would exchange gifts. They also combined some Roman Saturnalia customs with Yule customs at this time. Gift giving and the servant as master's custom from Saturnalia and the Yule log burned throughout the season and decorating with evergreen from Yule. It was also a custom to eat boar's head and an extra strong ale made from honey and cinnamon called a braggot that would have been spiked with brandy. So how did Christmas evolve into the holiday that we know today? When the English separatists or pilgrims came to America in 1620, they did not bring Christmas with them, except for the Jamestown settlement where John Smith reported that Christmas was celebrated and enjoyed by all. However, in Boston, it was actually outlawed to celebrate Christmas from 1659 to 1681. This is because it was thought that the festival was a great dishonor to God. The Massachusetts Bay Colony created the penalty for keeping Christmas that fined anyone caught merrymaking five shillings. In 1660, Charles II was restored back to the throne in England, and with him, he restored Christmas back to the English people. 
However, in America, Christmas continued to have little significance all the way to the Revolutionary War, so much so that on December 25, 1789, Congress held their first session. It wasn't until the Civil War when the U.S. needed a celebration to help reinforce the importance of home and family that Christmas began to be celebrated with gusto again. At the end of the war, 1870, Christmas was made the nation's first federal holiday on June 26th. And then, when immigrants began arriving in the late 19th century, they brought traditions with them that started the creation of Christmas becoming the melting pot celebration that it's become now. At this time, Christmas was reinvented as a family-centered day, focused around peace, love, and nostalgia, instead of the carnival-like celebration with its drunken revelry. The catalyst that really helped push the upper class to change the way Christmas was celebrated was due to rioting during the Christmas season that was caused by unemployment and class conflict. The New York City Council created the city's first police force in 1828 in response to a Christmas riot. In 1840, England, Queen Victoria, Albert, and their nine children played a big part in toning down the Christmas festivals as well. Albert popularized the German tradition of bringing a Christmas tree into the house and decorating it with lights and putting presents under it. During the Victorian age, most children's presents would have consisted of sweets, nuts, and oranges, and the wealthier kids might have gotten something like a toy train. Tips for servants and tradesmen, known as Christmas box tips, were given on December 26th, which is how the British Boxing Day tradition originated. At this time, it was traditional to attend church services at Christmas, and many popular carols were written during this time. Charles Dickinson's Christmas Carol was published in 1843 and inspired the richer people to give gifts and host Christmas feasts for their poor neighbors, and some landlords even threw parties for the children of their tenants. Washington Irving also inspired similar sentiments with his 1819 series of Christmas stories set in an English manner called The Sketchbook of Geoffrey Crayon, that contained a story about a squire who invited peasants into his home for Christmas. These stories inspired ideas of peace, warm-heartedness, and togetherness, despite social class or wealth. Irving wrote of people from different social statuses coming together to celebrate Christmas. In the book, Irving describes some ancient customs that historians have found don't have any factuality, to them, meaning that Irving actually invented new traditions and ideas for the holiday season. Over the next hundred years, Americans built a Christmas tradition all their own that included pieces of many other customs, including decorating trees, sending holiday cards, and gift giving. With Charles Dickens and Washington Irving's idea of how to celebrate Christmas, many American families believed that they were celebrating Christmas how it had been done for centuries. But America had really invented a holiday to fill their cultural needs of the growing nation. So how was Christmas celebrated in the past? In medieval England, Christmas was a 12-day festival involving all kinds of revelry, from plays to wild feasts to pageants celebrating Jesus' birth, music, gift-giving, and decorations all had become the norm. The most extravagant feasts were celebrated by monarchs such as Henry III, whose guests gorged themselves on 600 oxen at one 13th century Christmas feast. 
Universities would also crown a Christmas king or king of the beans who ruled his peers during the holiday season, and even in the most modest celebrations include hymns and carols. Germany is credited for giving birth to one of the universal symbols of Christmas, the Christmas tree, which evolved from the pagan tradition of decorating tree branches. Germans called their version an indoor pine adorned with candles, a Tinnenbaum. Germany also originated many other traditions, such as Advent wreaths, nutcrackers, and Christmas markets. So how do people celebrate today? Nowadays, in many places, Christmas is still part of a 12-day celebration, starting after Advent and ending in January. Some people celebrate until January 6th, some until the day of Epiphany, when it's believed that the three wise men, or Magi, visited Jesus, and others celebrate for 40 days until February 2nd, or Candlemas. Customs continue to include giving of gifts, putting up and decorating the tree, going to church, spending time and sharing a meal with friends and family, and waiting for Santa to leave gifts under the tree. Some other ways people celebrate are with lights. With this being the darkest time of the year, lights have always been part of the winter festivals. The Germans and Scandinavians put candles on their trees, but this is now replaced with electric Christmas lights. In 1882, Thomas Edison invented the first strand of lights, and his business partner, Edward H. Johnson, illuminated the first Christmas tree with colored electric light. People also continue to give gifts, and as I mentioned, gift-giving has been a part of winter celebrations and Christmas since Roman times, and with the American innovation of commercial gift wrap in the 20th century, the tradition of exchanging gifts on Christmas became even more popular. Raleigh B. Hall, the brother of the founder of Hallmark Cards, after running out of tissue paper for gifts at his store, used stylized French envelope liners, and the rest is history. Modern Christians see gift-giving as a symbolic gesture that honors the three wise men or magi who brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to baby Jesus in Bethlehem. And some people believe that putting a gift bow on top of a present represents unity and goodwill among mankind. During the holiday season, the U.S. Postal Service sees a huge uptick in mail and packages, processing more than 11.7 billion pieces of mail, including packages, cards, letters to Santa, and, of course, credit card bills. On average, most American consumers spend approximately $967.13 on holiday shopping, according to the National Retail Federation's most recent data. Many people choose to send Christmas cards out for Christmas. And sending Christmas cards has been a tradition since 1843 when William Dobson, an English artist, creates some drawings to be sent out locally and eventually the tradition spread to America. In 1846, the company Cole and Horsley commercialized the tradition, but it took until the late 1860s and early 1870s when two key printing technologies, dye sinking and chromolithography, came together to help make mass-producing Christmas cards cheaper and more available to the public. And then the post office developed the stamp to help make sending mail cheaper and easier as well. 
And by 1871, the word Christmas card made its appearance in the English language. In the late 19th century, Hallmark also had a hand in the modern Christmas card with its small printed cardboard cards that created a larger one with a book-like format. The Christmas card industry is now over a billion dollar industry. In America alone, four billion cards are sent each year. Christmas decorations are a huge way that people celebrate Christmas and the winter holidays. Christmas decorations have been around since the winter festivals begin, starting with people bringing greenery and outdoor elements into their home to invite the woodland fairies into their homes during the winter. I know for me and my family, the Christmas season begins when we start to decorate the house. My mom always made us wait until after Thanksgiving, so I've continued that tradition. Some years I start decorating the day after, and some years I wait until December 1st. I know that some people start decorating before Thanksgiving, and some even start as early as like the day after Halloween. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who get hurt putting up Christmas decorations each year, with the Consumer Product Safety Commission reporting that during November and December, nearly 15,000 people visit hospital emergency rooms each year from holiday decorating-related accidents, which means that's about 240 injuries a day. The most common accidents are falling, lacerations, and back sprains, so be careful out there. One of the main Christmas decorations you'll see in nearly every house is a Christmas tree. Trees have been part of the solstice celebration since the beginning, really. Pagan cultures used evergreens to decorate their homes to symbolize the coming spring and its return, and it was a reminder that the sun would return, and so would green plants and the warmth. They also believed that evergreens that kept their color through the coldest, darkest days held special powers. For Saturnalia, the Romans decorated their temples with fir trees and even used bits of metal to decorate them. The Greeks also have a history of decorating trees in honor of their gods. And the first trees brought inside the home were actually hung from the ceiling upside down. In Northern Europe, Germanic pagan tribes worshiped their god Woden by decorating evergreen trees with candles and dried fruit. The Vikings also had a Yule tree that they would decorate with small statues for their Norse gods, clothes, and food. In the 1500s, German Christians incorporated the tree tradition into their Christian faith and into their homes. They used sweets, lights, and toys to decorate the trees. The tree tradition we are accustomed to today hails from Northern Europe. Many Christians nowadays see the evergreen tree as a symbol of Jesus' birth and resurrection, as well as the everlasting life they have because of his sacrifice. Also, since a tree is a triangular shape, some see it as a symbol of the Holy Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. England's Queen Victoria German husband, Prince Albert, decorated their home with a tree for his wife, and in 1848, the Illustrated London News published a drawing of the couple in front of a Christmas tree, which helped increase the popularity of the tradition in English homes. If you do decide to go with a real tree this year, don't forget to water it. Neglected Christmas trees are responsible for approximately 260 fires each year in the United States. 
And be sure to check your Christmas lights and candles because those items are also responsible for 150 fires. And of course, we can't talk about trees without their counterparts, ornaments. Some of the first manufactured Christmas baubles were hand-blown glass in the shape of fruits and nuts made by a German glassmaker named Hans Greinerlin. The trend then spread all over Europe and eventually made its way to America. And nowadays you can decorate your tree with nearly anything imaginable. Many people have family heirloom ornaments or handmade ornaments from childhood, while some have ornaments that represent their hobbies and interests. And some people may do specific color combos or a monochromatic color scheme. The sky is truly the limit now. Wreaths are another evergreen that people customarily bring into their home during the winter season. And this custom began in the 16th century in Northern and Eastern Europe and mostly Germany. After trimming the tree, people began using the cut off greens to weave wreaths instead of just throwing them out. For Christians, they believe that the circular shape of the wreath and the evergreen symbolize eternal life since it has no beginning or end. Some also believe that because of this, it represents the circle of life and rebirth, as well as the crown of thorns Jesus wore on the cross. Mistletoe is yet another evergreen that has been used to decorate homes during the Christmas season. As far back as the first century AD, mistletoe was viewed as a symbol of vivacity and fertility. The Druids also considered it an aphrodisiac, which is why it's become known as the romantic part of Christmas. Mistletoe is now hung in doorways and hallways to catch people under it where it's customary to kiss under. Mistletoe is actually poisonous, so if you have kids and or pets, you want to make sure to keep it away from their mouths. Saint Nick or Santa Claus is a huge part of Christmas. And this legend has been traced back to a monk named Saint Nicholas who was born in Turkey or what is known as Turkey now around 280 AD. Saint Nicholas became known as the protector of children and sailors after giving away all of his inherited wealth and traveling the countryside helping the poor and sick. In 1822, an Episcopal minister named Clement Clark Moore wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, which is now known more popularly by its first line, Twas the Night Before Christmas. In the poem, Santa Claus is depicted as a jolly old man who, is, who has a sled flown by reindeer who help him visit every home to deliver toys to children on Christmas Eve. In the late 18th century in New York, Dutch families began gathering to honor the death of St. Nicholas, who they called Sint Nicholas, or abbreviated as Sinterklaas, which is where the name Santa Claus comes from. In 1881, political cartoonist Thomas Nast gave Santa Claus a face. Drawing on Moore's poem, he created the iconic jolly man in a red suit with a white beard and a sack of toys. He also drew inspiration from European folktales. 
The first department store Santa started in 1890 with a Brockton, Massachusetts department store merchant named James Edgar, who dressed as Santa and greeted children in the aisles of his store. In 1931, an illustrator named Hayden Sunblom was hired by Coca-Cola to depict Santa for a magazine ad, creating an even more jolly Santa Claus. And did you know that you can write a letter to Santa and he will respond? And his address is Santa Claus, North Pole, H-O-H, -H, space, O-H-O, -O, Canada. And if you live outside of Canada, don't forget to add international postage. But if you live in Canada, you don't need to pay any postage. Santa accepts letters between November and January and responds to all letters received. If you want your response by Christmas, be sure to send your letter before December 7th. If you're in Canada and December 2nd for international. Sorry, it's a little late this year for that info, but maybe you can get an after Christmas letter from Santa this year. Stockings are another decoration that is popular for Christmas time and the legend of hanging stockings on the fireplace goes back to Santa's origin story and the legend goes that a poor widower with three daughters couldn't afford a dowry for them and considered selling them into servitude but a local bishop Saint Nicholas who was known for being charitable, secretly tossed bags of gold into the man's house that landed in the girl's stockings that hung on the fireplace to dry. In the 16th century Netherlands, children left shoes out to be filled with gifts and treats from St. Nicholas. In France, children leave shoes by the fireplace and in Scandinavia, the stockings are hung on the children's bedposts. Nowadays, stocking stuffers are anything small enough to fit into the stockings. Could be anything from soap, lotions, deodorant, toys, candy, and even jewelry, depending on the recipient. Ringing of bells have become almost synonymous with Christmas, with nearly every Christmas song having bells in them. With some of the most popular Christmas songs like Jingle Bells and Carols of the Bells prominently featuring bells. In pagan winter celebrations, bells were rung to keep evil spirits away. In the time of shepherding, bells were used to help herd lost sheep back into the fold, which Christians see as a symbol of Jesus being a shepherd of his people watching and protecting them. For Christians, also ringing a bell during the Christmas season is also said to be a proclamation of joy and happiness for Christ's birth. Also, from the popularity of the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, many people now also believe that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Food is also a very important part of Christmas festivities. It gives family and friends a time to come together and share food and memories. Many people have a brunch on Christmas morning with their loved ones, either before or after opening presents, and this brunch usually consists of cinnamon rolls, maybe a breakfast casserole, omelets, bacon, French toast, pancakes, waffles, and to drink, orange juice, and maybe mimosas or Bloody Marys. A traditional Christmas dinner is similar to Thanksgiving dinner. Some families do Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve and others on Christmas Day. 
Turkey and ham are popular choices for the main course and sides like stuffing, green beans, sweet potatoes, casserole, mashed potatoes and gravy and rolls. For dessert, popular options are sugar cookies, gingerbread men, and some people enjoy fruitcake or a yule log cake that's covered in meringue to resemble a wood log. Popular Christmas beverages are wassail punch, eggnog, hot toddies, buttered rum, apple cider, milk punch, and mimosas. A lot of the Christmas flavors include the warming spices like cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, yeah, just apple, oranges, those, you know, when you smell it, it smells like Christmas. Singing Christmas carols is a tradition that's been practiced since the medieval times in Europe. This tradition is heartwarming and brings people together during the holiday season and has now become an integral part of Christmas celebrations all over the world. Many of the traditional songs that have been passed on have themes of the retelling of the biblical story of Jesus' birth and emphasize the spiritual significance of Christmas. More modern songs have themes about cold weather of the season or love, but still have a festive spirit that captures the joy and the warmth of the season. In some areas, carolers go door to door and sing Christmas songs and spread the Christmas cheer. Christmas songs encourage a sense of unity and harmony between people from different backgrounds and of all ages, and above all, they encourage merriment. So some of the themes of Christmas are that it's the most wonderful time of the year, a togetherness, family time, giving, charity, peace, love, goodwill towards men. Um, many of these ideas have been brought to the public thought from Christmas songs and Washington Irving and Charles Dickinson's Christmas stories. And after watching several Christmas movies, I kept seeing another common theme of magic and the Christmas spirit, that Christmas is a day when magic things happen. So it made me wonder where this idea came from or if it was just something Hollywood made up. It turns out that magic has been ingrained in both Christmas and pagan winter festivals throughout history. Starting with Christmas, the idea of magic started with the Immaculate Conception of Jesus, seen as a miracle, and many Christians still believe that Christmas time is a time when miracles are more prevalent. Also, the three wise men, or three kings, who visit Jesus after his birth were actually magi, which were a form of magician or sorcerer of the time. The Bible doesn't explain how they found where Jesus was born, except that they followed a bright star, implying that they were skilled astrologers who had possibly interpreted an astronomical event. Also, the gifts they brought with them were used in magic. Frankincense and myrrh were used to ward off evil spirits and enabled contact with gods and goddesses. Myrrh was also considered a miraculous substance that could extend life beyond death. The idea that magicians visited the baby Jesus has been downplayed by the Christian church 
for centuries, which is why many people refer to them as wise men or kings now instead of magi. In pre-Christian times, December 25th through January 6th were known as the rough nights, and it was believed that the veil was thinner during this time. Many people did rituals to ward off the demonic influences and to ensure the rebirth of the sun after the solstice. Sorcerers and eventually Catholic priests would smudge houses and stables with healing herbs and people burned juniper and other aromatic substances to drive out the demons. There were other rituals performed on Christmas Eve that involved enchanting trees and water blessings. Also, as I mentioned earlier, bells have been believed to be magic in both Christian and pagan traditions. They were believed to keep evil spirits away and Christian churches used bells to summon the people to church services, which many churches still do this. Also in folklore, bells were considered to possess a life force or a soul and were often attached to clothing, maybe worn as an amulet, they tied them to the children or hung them from the necks of important animals for luck. So as you see, Christmas has been a time where magic was used, but I do think a lot of what we think of as Christmas magic has been contrived by Hollywood movies. Nowadays, Christmas has strayed from its religious roots. In a poll by Gallup from 2019, more than 9 in 10 Americans said they celebrate Christmas, but only about 35% say that they saw the holiday as strongly religious. And only about 51% of people attend a religious Christmas service. Most people who celebrate Christmas don't see it as a religious holiday now. And it is celebrated with the mix of pagan and Christian traditions for the most part. So how can we celebrate Christmas now? When you break down both the pagan and the Christian beliefs, what it all boils down to is the birth of the sun, S-U-N, and the sun, S-O-N. After the solstice, the days will begin to get longer. The sun will shine a bit longer each day until we're back to the fertile time of the year. Christmas time is a time of hope for those brighter days and for Christians with the belief that with the birth of God's son comes everlasting salvation for the believers. Lighting candles or Christmas lights during this time will help bring the lights inside to help these dark days feel less dark and keep the belief that it's only temporary. So really how you want to celebrate Christmas comes down to the beliefs you personally adhere to. Christians may decide to drop pagan celebrations and pagans may want to adopt new traditions to set more of an attention to why they are doing certain things like ringing a bell or putting out a Christmas tree. This is a tricky holiday since there are so many ancient traditions that are still being celebrated to this day, so I don't have as many suggestions that we can incorporate because we've been incorporating them throughout history. So whether you are Christian or pagan, I think what both can agree on are the themes of peace, love, and goodwill towards men. This is a time when we should all be focusing on finding peace within our own lives as well as among others, and spreading love and goodwill towards others, however that looks to you. 
Also finding a charity or organization that you can give to, or if you know people in your community that need things, this is the time of year to give things to those people. If there, if you see that there are homeless people in your area, maybe bring some blankets, hand warmers, food, but make sure it's food that they're able to eat. Um, non-perishables that don't need things like butter or yeah you can look that up and just spend time with your family just let it be a time of togetherness with the ones you love a quote from charles dickens a christmas carol says the only time i know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave. When I first read that, it, it really struck a chord that we really are equal despite our social class, economical situation or what have you. And we are all just human and we really should be helping one another. And we shouldn't have to have just one time of the year to do that, but Christmas has become that time of the year when it inspires us to give and to help and to love and to give goodwill to our fellow men. So yeah, ponder that, think about it. And if you feel inspired, do something about it. So that wraps it up for this episode and for the first season of Let's Celebrate a Holiday Origins podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back in January for the second season. And next season, we will be celebrating the Celtic Wheel of the Year. This year of celebrating American holidays has shown me that many of the modern holidays that we celebrate today are based on these older holidays. Some of these holidays I touched on this season and some are mixed in with other holidays. We will be celebrating winter and summer solstice, the spring and autumn equinoxes, as well as Samhain, Imbolc, Beltane, and Lunasad. These celebrations focus on the sun cycle and position as well as how it affected people's lives and guided them on when to sow the fields, when to rest, and when to reap the crops. I've noticed in the past few years that there are a lot of people who are re reconnecting to the old ways of celebrating these days, and some people are creating new traditions to make it more of a modern celebration. So I'm really interested in just doing a deep dive into these holidays and learning more about them and spreading that information to you as well so we can understand since a lot of the holidays the modern holidays that we celebrate today have these celtic will of the year holidays as kind of their backbone so this is just going to help us give a more of a give us more of an idea of why we celebrate and as i said it's the sun cycle so like this is the dark time of the year and then the summer solstice is the light part of the year. So when people didn't have 
cell phones and you know calendars and clocks people used the sun as a way to tell time and tell what time of year it is when to do things that sort of stuff so yeah it's just interesting to take a step back get away from technology for a little bit and just it's a way to look at the world the way that our ancestors did so I hope that that excites you as much as it excites me, and I look forward to celebrating more with you next season. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please like and subscribe, maybe even leave a review because that really helps podcasts. Um, and if you like this podcast, maybe you can help me out. So how do you celebrate Christmas? Do you celebrate any of the other winter holidays like Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or any of the pagan holidays? I would love to hear your celebratory stories. Feel free to send me an email to letscelebratepodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to follow me on Instagram and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at letscelebratepodcast and like and subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash at letscelebratepodcast. And as always, all my references are in the show notes if you're interested in reading more about Christmas history. Thanks for listening and joining me on this adventure. Have fun celebrating, and I hope you've learned something new today. Bye.